Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. For the last year, you've heard me talk about the decline in sales jobs in sports. This is not breaking news, rather an obvious reality based on all of us being in the grips of a global pandemic that restricts public gatherings. No tickets to sell, no suites to sell, no group packages, fewer sponsorships, less in-stadium marketing activations. The results are pretty clear. Revenue was lost, lots of it. Jobs were furloughed, lots of them. Sales as a sector of the industry, a dominant sector of the industry, was hit the hardest by far. But let's put some numbers on that rather than just logical conclusions. According to Team Marketing Report, a sports business intelligence firm, the Washington football team, it is estimated, lost $124 million in unrealized game day revenue. To put that in perspective, if you add up the 2020 contracts of Alex Smith, Landon Collins, Kendall Fuller, Morgan Moses, and Chase Young, arguably their five best players, you get to $63.8 million. They lost $124 million minimum. That was tops in the NFL, who TMR estimated lost $2.7 billion as a whole. Now, those calculations, just to give it further context, that $124 million in game day revenue losses does not even include the hit to other revenue streams, like sweet leases, secondary market ticket sales, corporate sponsorships, media rights, non-NFL events, revenue sharing, off-site sales, licensing, and preseason and postseason money. The amount of revenue lost by sports teams is staggering. NBA, $694 million in unrecognized game day revenue. MLB, $5.2 billion in unrecognized game day revenue. I mean, think about it, 162-game season, cut down to 60 without fans. That's how they make their money. That's a big hit. All of this is to say, as I tell my kids, save your money. You don't know when things are going to turn upside down and you'll need that buffer. Actually, what it's really to say, although saving money is a good tip, is that it's easy to see why sports jobs plummeted. But as Callie Franklin, VP of HR at NYCFC, said in last week's podcast episode, a business that isn't actively hiring talented people isn't growing. The sports industry is finding its footing and hiring again. We aren't back to normal, far from it. But we are finding new ways to emerge. What is amazing to me in the face of all of these losses is that so many of the businesses I have spoken to recently are really proud of the fact that they didn't lay off any staff. Now, clearly, many of you lost your jobs. I've heard from so many of you personally, and I hurt for you. But let this be a marker in the moment. Hiring is coming back. Numbers are on the rise. And teams, leagues, sports tech firms, sports websites, athlete marketers, and more are hiring people like you. Back in November, I saw a LinkedIn post from today's guest, Felicia Douglas, manager of inside sales for the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, and it caught my eye. She posted, if you're a graduating senior or already graduated from college, I want to get to know you. If you're looking to work in sales in sports, I am going to begin hosting interviews for our inside sales consultant positions. Book a time on my calendar below. Seeing this, not just the aggressive approach, but the hiring signal 
was as if she was saying, we're open for business. And it was a light at the end of a pretty crappy tunnel. Right then I said, all right, I got to get her on the show. So here she is, Felicia Douglas, manager of inside sales for the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Hi, Felicia. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. How I'm are you? Have you? I'm doing great. I am excited to have you on. Uh, not only are you in a part of the sports industry and the sales side that is important to all of our listeners, but working with an NBA team and an NFL team and just the trends that are happening in our industry, it's so great to have you on. So thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. So let's jump into this. And I don't love to look backwards a lot. I always try to look forward. 2020 was a mess. We get it. Like it was, it was terrible. Sales jobs were a mess on our job board. We usually would have about 50% of our jobs in the sports industry would be related in some way to sales. It just like fell off a cliff, right? It all makes sense. But in December, I saw a job, a LinkedIn post from (laughs) you. And it was basically saying like, hey, if you want to work in sales, we're hiring. So give me a little bit of understanding. What has this last year been like for you? And where do you feel like we kind of sit right now as an industry, especially as it relates to to sales jobs and sports? Yeah, sure. So this last year has been, to say the least, and for lack of better terms or words, a roller coaster. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this in my life. I mean, the ups and downs we got. So if you you mentioned uh, Pelicans and Saints, we have Zion on one side, just got Zion, went off of an amazing year. And then we have the pandemic that gets in the middle of that, right? Um, Didn't even finish the first season. And then here we are. Um, So it's, it's been crazy um, on the sales side. It's been like up and down. You know, people are nervous about the pandemic. Some people don't care. They just want to come out to games. So it's really just trying to figure out and find those people and make sure that we connect with and stay in contact with the people who are a little bit nervous right now. So it's, it's been crazy, I, to say the least, honestly. Yeah. Do you feel like things are trending in a better direction now, no? now though? Because... I mean, you opened yes. up. You opened up and started hiring for inside sales positions, and I know a lot of people are in hiring freezes. So, is that right. an indicator in some ways that we're looking better? I have a lot of pride for the organization that I work for because throughout the pandemic, um, we didn't let go of any staff. We didn't let go of anyone. We continued to sell. Um, you know, and a lot of teams, I think what happened was they kind of stopped selling. And as a result, you know, you had to let go of staff. But because we've been able to continue revenue and keep selling, um, I actually needed more reps to continue selling. Um, and so that's why you saw that job opening happen in November. I believe it was in November. Um, I posted it and I believe I might be biased, but I think other teams saw that trend and said, well, shoot, you know, maybe this isn't a thing where we should be letting go of, of people. We should be probably hiring because we probably should still keep selling. You know, it's out there. There are people that want to come out to games. There are people who understand that there's a pandemic and they're willing to take some ne- necessary precautions, mask up, social distance social distance to come out to these games. And I think now we have a larger staff so we can just reach more people. And so I think there is going to be a trend as a result of that post. I think I was the first to post that. And then like multiple teams started posting for inside sales positions. So I think it's on the up and up and up for sure. 
I think that's really encouraging and it's good to know. And I think you're right. I've started to see a lot more starting to trend in the right direction, what I think is a good indicator for all of us in the industry. So I have to tell you something really strange happened. You and I set this interview and um, we were, I was so excited to talk to you and this is great. And then I got an email, like literally the day after you confirmed with me from somebody who's been listening to our show for a really long time. And they said, Hey, I just got hired in inside sales with the Pelicans and Saints. And I'm like, wait, no whoa, whoa, this is weird. Like I'm interviewing your new boss tomorrow. Um, so t- take me through the process a little bit. What was the process like this go round? Did you find that like, you had more candidates because there are people out there that have been, you know, out of work or whatever? Or did you see like yeah. the really, really higher qualifications? What was it like? What was it like hiring again? This process was unique and I, and I, we did it on purpose. Um, what I did, you probably didn't notice that on my calendar, when I posted the link on LinkedIn, I actually posted my calendar on there, um, which is, which was, I, in hindsight, it, it was okay idea because I literally <laughs> got within like two days, my calendar filled up with applications. Like, and I had to actually go back to the post and like, take that down because the amount of people looking for jobs right now was insane. Um, and I had to go back through all of them and make, basically sift through to make sure these are, are actually qualified candidates that I can hire for the role. But yeah, I mean, I don't think I might do that again. I think I might do that again in the future, just kind of maybe limit my calendar so it's not taking up my whole day of interviews. I probably spoke to 600 candidates wow. um, just from that post alone, not on top of that. Then we had our official postings that Mm -hmm. happened. Um, And then, you know, I tried to find it, do something a little unique in that we put together um, like a a summit. I don't know if you saw that, but the Saints and Pelicans, all of the leadership team came together and we did a one day summit. And at the end of the summit, we did virtual tour or virtual um, uh, interviews at the end of it. So I'm curious to know who that person was. I'm wondering if they were on that virtual summit because um, basically, I ended up hiring seven candidates from that virtual event that we threw. So it, it was great. I mean, very unique way to find candidates, which was great because a lot of diverse candidates in the pool um, that we were able to find. Um, yeah. So, I mean, pretty successful for recruiting campaign this time around. Yeah. So working in inside sales for an NBI team is I mean, NFL team on the, the NBA team on the rise, like you were saying with Zion, NFL team, the Saints are obviously super popular. It's an awesome job in and of itself. Uh, I'm guessing, like you said, you had tons of applicants. How do you get through that process of identifying the right people when right. you get when you get so many interested people and you want to give them all a consideration? How do you get through that to feel like you're getting the right people that fit your organization and culture mm-hmm. and that have the right skill sets? What was your process like? I, um, so I actually worked with um, some of my hiring managers and HR managers on rewriting our job description. That was a really big thing. Um, how I go about posting things on LinkedIn is a little bit unique in that I try to make sure that the, the words that I'm using are very thoughtful, right? Um, like communal, using words like working together. You know, I, I, I want to try to make sure that I'm pulling from all demographics when I'm writing anything that I write on LinkedIn, whether I'm posting about highlighting a current rep or posting about trying to find 
new reps. Everything is very, very detailed um, because I think in this industry, you got to be kind of, you have to be careful because there's a certain person who wants to work in sports that we were used to. You got that, you know, male. And of course, I love males, like great, great sales reps, but you want to try to find more diversity uh, females, right? Um, you know, HBCUs, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to find all kinds of avenues to recruit from. And so for me, as long as I make sure that the content I'm putting out on LinkedIn, um, on the job postings are, are unique and pulling yeah. from those avenues, the candidates start to come in um, as diverse and then I can just pick from there. That's a great approach to it, right? Like, is, I think that's always one of the hardest parts is like, you don't want to just, and again, this is no offense to any one sector, but it's like, you don't want to just yeah. get a bunch of crazy sports dudes, right? You want to, yeah. you don't want to, you know what, you want to have a gr diverse group who can push each other and motivate each other and have that drive. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes can be hard to identify that. Yeah, it can, especially you live in Louisiana, right? Oh, I live in Louisiana. You live in Philadelphia, but I live in Louisiana. <laughs> And, um, you know, you want to have a sales group that is going to be represent representative of the, the um, place that you're living in, right? And you also want to have people that understand what it's like to live in the South, you know, and understand what it's like to talk to somebody from, you know, Cajun country, right? Um, so I have two guys that um, are from Louisiana. I have some from Birmingham. You know, I have some from Texas, um, then I have some from New York, right? Because there's a lot of people from New York that move down here, right? Yeah. So maybe they can identify from them with them. I have some people from Philadelphia. So I try to make sure that's diverse too and where they're coming from. Um, so that way they can identify with the people that live here. Yeah, it's so important to know who your audience is and who you're talking to and be able to relate to them and, and kind of fit yeah. their persona. So that is a, that's a really important thought process in there too. So let's talk about the actual sales process because it's something that always interests me. Um, I've never worked in sales and yet I know most people that I've worked with in the industry have some experience in that side of the, the, of the sports world. 50, like I was saying before, 50% of the jobs in the sports industry, we have historical data going back 20 years, 50% of the jobs in the sports industry are connected to sales. So it makes a lot of sense for young people that I'm talking to to say, consider that, you know, start to look in those areas. But I ask you as someone in a higher ranking role in sales, can salespeople be created through training and teaching and the right mentorship? Or are there yeah. like innate abilities and traits that must be present initially to succeed? Yeah, I'm smiling when you ask this question. It's one of my favorite questions. Oh, good. I asked a good question. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, great question. You know, for me, and I've done a couple interviews, but I always tell people I never wanted to work in sales, Brian, like ever. I told my professor that I saw that, sat Dr. Sutton down. I was like, listen, I don't want to work in sales a day in my life. I'm not interested. Like that is not for me. So please don't do that. Like don't put me in that role. And for two years in grad school, I avoided everything that had to do with sales. I did everything, <laughs> analytics, I did um, operations, I worked in the ticket office at one point, like I did everything just to avoid sales. In the last, um, the last semester of grad school, I, I was kind of like frustrated. I was like, I haven't found anything that I really like, you know, and sat down with Dr. Sun again. I was like, he was like, you should try sales. Like yeah. you're charismatic. You like to laugh. You like to talk to people. You're competitive. You don't want anybody to outwork you. You know, um, you get along with people. But, you know, maybe this is something you should just consider. And 
You know, I was like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even think I have a choice at this point. Um, and so I did a couple of shadowings at the Lightning. I did a couple of shadowings at the Buccaneers, kind of saw what their sales teams were doing and realized, man, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, ringing a bell and, you know, showing people how cool you are. Look at your name up on the leaderboard. You know, you're beating everybody. Um, everybody's kind of like a team. They go out on the weekends, hang out with each other. But in the office, it's like a competitive environment. Um, I'll try it. And so I tried it and ended up loving it. And so back to your question, I truly believe that you can teach somebody how to sell. Everybody sells. You know, you're selling yourself every day. The, you know, you well, you should be trying to, right? Yes. When you walk out into the public, you represent yourself as a certain, in a certain way. And that's your sales pitch for yourself, right? And so I think there's certain things that everybody can learn, like how to connect with people, um, you know, how to smile when you're talking to someone, um, how to ask for things, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, you know, um, how to build rapport. Those are all things that you can learn as long as you're open-minded and willing to, you know, take the necessary steps to learn it. The last thing I'll say, Brian, is um, the sales reps that I hired in this last class, not all of them came from sales backgrounds. Actually, most of them have no sales experience. But that's my role in inside sales is to coach them and teach them how to become a salesperson. Do you like that side of it, being able to teach and train and work to, to help them improve and grow? Yeah, I really do. Um, I think that the mentoring piece is also a big portion of it. I think that if somebody feels like they have a mentor in someone, then they're more likely to really absorb the information. And I love being able to mentor and coach yeah. and help. It's not just about sales. You know, I have to build rapport with my reps too. learn about their families, learn about what makes them tick, what makes them happy. You know, what work makes one rep happy may not make another rep happy. So for me, it's just the people piece of it and coaching really makes me happy in this industry. That was one of the biggest things I had to learn too when I first got into management was realizing that each individual staffer was just that. They're an individual. They have different yeah. things that motivate them. They have different things they like out of their work environment. And it was finding that mix. Like that can be mm -hmm. a fun challenge, but it's something very new when you first get into management. You said yeah. something else in there that really stuck out to me. and You talked about your natural competitiveness. I've always felt like that's an important part for working in, that, in the sports industry. And I, I think most jobs in our industry, there tends to be somewhat, some way, a leaderboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, if for you guys in sales, it's like you see your name up there and that drives you because you want to be yeah. ahead of that other person. Is that one of those traits, like for even me working in the sports media, you knew who was getting the plum games that night. Like you're covering Lakers Celtics and I'm covering, you know, the, the Mavs game or something like that. Like you just, you just kind of knew. Um, and there's that competitiveness. Is that something that you look for to try to identify is like that, that competitive yeah. nature a little bit too? hundred percent. Like if somebody's telling me they're not competitive, I don't know if they'll, they may do, they may be okay in sales, you know, there's different levels of being competitive. For me, I like competing against the best because I want to show that I'm the best. But then there's some people who like competing against themselves. And that's okay, too. Right. But I do need to know that you have some kind of drive to be better and, and compete. Um, I think it's extremely important, especially in inside sales. Like some of these people coming in are really good. They're, they're you know, they work really hard. And so that has to be able to you have to feel like you're motivated by that environment. 
Yeah, for sure. I know I always was. Like I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you're competitive and you're curious and you're coachable, like you're gonna you're off to a pretty good start, right? You're willing to yes. learn, you're willing to grow, you want to understand what's going on and get better at it, and you want to compete, like that's that's a pretty good start right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So okay, we've seen the data. I've read enough articles about it over time now recently that a lot of the traditional sports are losing younger sports fans, right? They're not generating that interest in the younger audiences. Baseball, the one sport you don't actually work in, um, <laughs> baseball is especially struggling with that. Does this concern you? Does this concern you? And if so, how do we start to really appeal to the younger fans and get them to be really engaged with our sports again? You know, it, it, it does concern me and it doesn't. I know that our industry is going to, like the NBA is so, um, forward thinking. And I know there's something that they're going to do that's going to eventually catch up with the times. I think that what's happening is the younger generation is just finding different hobbies, right? Like they may be finding something more social media. Um, They're kind of going towards things that are on digital platforms. And I think that sports is just going to change and, and try to adapt with whatever is, you know, attracting the younger audience. I just, it does concern me, yes, but I, I'm not thinking about that at this immediate moment. Maybe if I was in baseball, I would. Yeah, there's enough other things you have to be concerned with right now. It's like, I don't need anything else thrown in the mix right now. <laughs> I got enough other things to worry about. So let's talk about perspective and experience a little bit. Your current teams are two of the hottest, most interesting teams in sports, if you ask me. Like you said, Zion, Breeze, everything in between. A lot of excitement going around your two organizations. When you sell, are you focused on the the athletes people can identify with, or is it more the overall experience, or is it something else entirely? Like, what's kind of your your framework to start that conversation and get people hooked into the Pelicans and Saints experience? Yeah, if you've ever been to a Saints game, it's one of the coolest things you will ever ever go to. I mean, Superdome. People actually wear um, earplugs because it gets so loud in there. Like. You know, they've got light shows that's going on pregame, the chanting, who that every like time we make a huge play. I mean, that's hard to top for any experience. And sometimes when you get a go away from it, like maybe if you're a Saints fan, because Saints fans are very, very diehard. But sometimes you don't even know who they play. You just know that at the end of the day, you had the best time going to Saints games um, you know, Drew Brees was there, obviously. Um, but, you know, for us, we try to make sure it's all about experience, you know. And who plays in there is important. You know, we definitely use Zion and Drew Brees quite a bit. I mean, how could you not? They're, yeah, part, right? of right? They're part of the experience. Like seeing yeah. Zion dunk the way yeah. he does, and he's like, he's like 18 at a time and barely 19 and to see yeah. that. Um, it's once in a lifetime memories. And so you do kind of want to bake that into your sales pitches. But at the end of the day, you know, I talked to some of my reps and some of them have never even been to an NBA game before working in NBA. So for them to feel that for the first time, you know, I tell them, how can you replicate that to a fan who's never been to an NBA game? You know, they don't know who's playing. It's about the moments that you're feeling when you walk in there and you shouldn't forget those moments, right? Because sometimes we get jaded and we're like, oh, we've seen Zion a million times, but some people have never seen him, you know, yeah. or some people have never walked into the Superdome and seen this huge, massive um, place, you know, and just look around and 
I mean, 80,000 people that it holds. I mean, that, those are memories that you shouldn't forget, even though you walk in every single day, you shouldn't forget how that feels as a new person. So you're so right. Yeah. Yep. The experience is so meaningful and like, it's powerful. Like I, I still feel like going to some arenas or some, you know, even old baseball stadiums, wherever it's like going to church. It's like, it's amazing. It's yeah. like a, it's almost like a religious experience to see it and feel it and smell it. And all the senses get yeah. awoken and you can't, you can't take that for yeah. granted. You can't take it for granted. One other thing too is um, I, I talk about not taking things for granted. One of my new reps was saying that, um, he has a picture of him when he was a little kid playing in the Superdome. Um, it was like, I guess, a Pop Warner cool. game or something. I don't know. Um, but I know I know for a fact there was somebody on the ticket sales side that made that happen, right? Because that's what we do is we make those experiences and those memories. And I told him, I was like, you're going to have this picture with you for the rest of your life, right? And so it's, it's not just about the moment right then and there. It's also lasting memories for forever, you know, um, so th those are the type of things that we sell on the phone as opposed to the players. I love that because that really connects with anybody at any time. So one thing I'm really curious about, I, I always get into audience personas because from a content marketing standpoint, you're always thinking about who your audience is. And so I, um, most of the people I interview that are in sales, they work for a team or they sell a product. The fact that you have the Saints and the Pelicans, do you find that there are different fan bases or is the, do they have different needs and wants and touch points or is the New Orleans sports fan somewhat universal? Is that a challenge? How do you approach that? It's a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge because the Saints fan, the typical Saints fan is not the same demographic of a Pelicans fan. So Saints fans are <clears throat> diehard football fans like that. If we were to take a survey and we were to ask, why are you a fan? It's because they love football, period. Okay. That's what it is. Um, they love specifically Saints football. Um, if I were to take a survey and ask a fan on the Pelican side why they come out the Pelicans games, it's because of the experience. It's, it's what you're, you're experiencing in the arena when you walk in. You see Pierre the Pelican on the concourse. You see, you know, balloon man's on the concourse. You, you see the, um, the lady who at halftime can spin 15 dishes, you know, on a unicycle, right? Like <laughs> yeah. those kind of things. Like, you know, the fact that Pelicans fans, they love dancing. Like some of the best dancing fans in all of the NBA. They will dance their tails off for every single Pelicans game. Whereas a Saints fan... They just want to see football, okay? And, you know, they prefer for you not to talk to them while they're watching football, you know, but they don't need all the extra, okay? Um, whereas Pelicans fans, they want to make sure that they're getting the, the uh, picture on the, the court. They want to make sure that they're getting all the extra things when they're coming out the games. Um, so that's really the two different, yeah. two different demographics there. It's a challenge to kind of come at it from different perspectives and understand what's important to them because really you have to be delivering on their expectations and you have to know that stuff, right? That's important. So going back to your start a little bit, um, you start with Miami Dolphins. We talked beforehand about how uh, you didn't initially think it was going to be a, a sales career for you, but ticket sales, group sales, club and corporate packages, you worked your way up with the Dolphins and then you made a jump to the AAF, uh, the Alliance of American Football, to be the director of ticket sales with the Atlanta Legends. Was that the main motivation to change was to get yourself to more of a leadership management position? Is that why you jumped to that opportunity? Yeah, it was. I, um, as much as I love the Dolphins, I didn't know that management was there at the time. 
you know? And so for me, I had this opportunity present itself and it was scary. I was like, I don't even know what this is. No one knew what it was. I told my manager about it and he was like, I don't know what this is. And I was like, but it could be so cool, you know, like, you know, being able to start something brand new and what if it is successful? Like chances are that it won't be, but what if it is, you know, and I can start something new and learn so much. And so I took that leap. It was very scary. I didn't know a single person in Atlanta, no one, except for the people I was working with. So, um, but yeah, the reason why I took that is so that I can learn more and prepare me for a management role. So what did that role teach you? So were there any massive aha moments where you're like, oh, so this is what it's like to manage? Were there, yeah. were there things that stand out to you looking back? Yeah, that's exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Like, I thank goodness I had that role before this role because I guess yeah. I made some mistakes in management in that role. Um, but it was a trial and error, right? Like that was my first time managing a group of AEs that were looking to me for answers. And so I was really able to understand what makes people motivate, what people don't like, what they do like. And um, that was my trial. Uh, and, and also I just learned how to work with higher levels of uh, managers uh, in that role, what they're looking for, how to communicate with Mitch, how to communicate with our, our David, our president at the time. Um, that was really important. And some of those things I was able to move into this role. So the league folded on a Wednesday, I had the opportunity for this job on a Tuesday, the Tuesday right before the league folded. So thank goodness that happened. Oh my God, that's, yeah, that worked out pretty nicely for you, for it sure. Did, yeah, I mean, we I saw- met, I met David, I've met David and talked to him before. He was a really great guy. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like you were in a good, even though the league didn't last the way you wanted it to, it does sound like it was a pretty Im- impactful experience for you. Yeah, David was great. Mitch and David were great. I mean, they saw it coming. Super smart yeah. guys. They're like, Felicia, something's not right here. Like something yeah. is just not right. Start looking for opportunities. Like it's time. And so thank goodness I did. And this opportunity presented itself. Um, and I had been working with the Alliance for like seven, eight months at that point. So I, I I've gone, I, I felt like I was understanding what management was at that, that time. And had to do the operations, had to do the corporate packages, had to sell, had to put together tailgate party. Like I did everything in that short time period with that team. So it was a good experience yeah. for sure. So like you said, didn't take long to land on your feet. Saints and Pelicans coming right around the corner. Now you manage what, 17 sales reps? Yeah, Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's not easy. Um, I saw recently, again, you posted on LinkedIn and I love that you're an active LinkedIn user because I am too. And you gave a shout out to one of your staffers and you, for being the inside sales leader of the month. Mm-hmm. Is that a part of management is knowing those right buttons to push to motivate people and to give them a little bit of a pat on the back and make it known like, dude, great job. And let's, let's make sure everybody knows it. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like we are in the middle of a global pandemic. People need to be recognized that they're doing well. This is not easy to sell right now, you know, and the fact that that rep was selling and, you know, I've had several reps win leader of the month. I appreciate their effort. I appreciate that they work hard. You know, I'm, I'm not with them every single day. And so they could not do stuff, right? Like I don't see them. We're working virtually. So for them to really be pushing themselves and, you know, without me really on their back every two seconds um, is something that should be rewarded. 
Yeah, I love that extra level of recognition. Everybody loves that. Like, it's like, it's not just ego. It's like, I just want to know that my work is making a difference and that people appreciate what I'm doing. And to take that little, that little moment can make such a big difference for an employee. I mean, it's so important you're able to do th these things. Felicia, this is amazing. I love this conversation. And I, I love the fact that you've given us so much of your time. We'll finish up with this. Our audience is full of young people who are in your shoes when you were at FAU, you know, that like you're trying to figure out your path, their path a little bit. They're trying to figure out how to stand out, how to get hired, all those things. They want to fulfill their dream of working in sports. As you kind of look back through your journey and where you are now, what kind of advice would you share for somebody, you know, or with the, you know, 17, 18 year old version of yourself uh, that might help them a little bit figuring this out? Yeah, I would say this is actually one of my mentors, Dr. Harold told me this a long time ago. She said, it's okay not to know, what, or it's okay that you don't know what you want to do. That it's okay. I mean, sometimes I feel like we get out of college and we think that we need to know exactly what career path we need to go down. And that's not always the case. You know, I think that you should, you know, understand that in the end, it's going to work out as long as you're following your passion, you're following your heart and you're trying. It's going to work out. Um, and then the other thing I did want to say is, I truly believe that within the next few months, there are going to be so many jobs that open up. You know, I think things are on the up and up. As you see, there's a lot of teams now starting to hire. We just posted a position today with our premium sales team, right? That's premium sales, but still, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are hiring. And what are you doing with your time, right? During this pandemic, it's like, are you just sitting around and, you know, saying, well, no one's hiring me, like, poor me, can't figure it out. Or are you listening to podcasts? Are you reading books? Are you, you know, talking to mentors, trying to get on um, people who live or work in the industry on their calendars, right? I think that's going to be very important because when the floodgates open, we're going to hire some of the best of the best and those who are very proactive about trying to get better during these difficult times. Felicia, incredible advice. Such a cool journey you've had. Thank you so much for sharing it with our audience. I, I can't thank you enough. Such great information. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Thank you to Felicia Douglas for coming on the show. It was so good to get to know her and talk to her and hearing the way she's approaching things and her some of her new techniques for hiring and her aggressive nature of, you know, just booking interviews through her LinkedIn channel and using other booking software. It's just really interesting to hear where we're headed, what the competition's like, what sports sales jobs are like nowadays, what she's expecting to see happen. So some incredible insight from Felicia. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That's it for this week, everybody. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe and to share and to be involved in our communities. Uh, we want to continue to grow the Work in Sports podcast. And we need all your help to do that. The more you watch, the more you share, the more you review and rate and listen, uh, the more downloads we get and the more power we get to book guests and to do fun and engaging things that can help you all in your career. So please keep at it. You know that I will. Let's get back to work. 2021, baby. 